When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Unsuckable, the football podcast. I'm your host, Manuel Feed. And yeah, I'm back. It's It's been a mental time with the transfer window closing. Um, thankfully, that's behind us. Deadline day is closed, shut and done, uh, which means I have time for things like this podcast. And um, joining me as always is Josh. Josh, how's it going? It's good. You were away for a while. We're, uh, we're, we're unsackable, yeah. the, the soccer podcast, but you threw football in there. I like it. You know, change things up. Why not? Right. Do we use the word soccer? Oh, man. Um, apologies. Filippo is not going to be happy about that. Filippo, how's it's it going? It's the Association Football Podcast. Mm, okay. <laughs> you all good buddy yeah, yeah i am doing good uh are you asking josh or me you go ahead Felipe. are you me all right so josh i hope you're doing well too even though i just interrupted you no i'm doing fine i'm doing fine i'm a little bit tired because i came back from the orlando city final yesterday mm-hmm. of the u.s open cup didn't sleep till like 3 a.m but i got some i got a little bit of a nap at night and i'm good to go talk a little bit about association football or soccer as we call it and yeah. I give the mic back to you, Manuel. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sorry, Josh. This was confusing. You can see I haven't done this in a while, but um, I hope you're all good as well. <laughs> I am good. I'm excited to get on some of these subjects. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a coaching theme today by our quick mm-hmm. debrief before we got going, and I'm all ready for it. Yeah, um, definitely. And uh, helping us doing all of this is Adrian Sosa. Adrian, how's it going, buddy? It's going great. And speaking about association football coaches and coaching, Roger Schmidt, 10 wins from 10 for Benfica. You love to see it. And uh, long may it continue. How's my boy Draxler doing? He hasn't shown his face just yet, but okay. I'm sure he'll do great as soon as he gets an opportunity, which will be coming soon, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see how he works out there. Wait, John Brooks is not your boy too, Manuel? Oh, yeah, right. I totally forgot he went there as well. They're both going to be playing there. <laughs> Big John, yes. Big John, he could get opportunities as well since Benfica are light in the center back positions. But we're not here to talk about Benfica today, are we, Manuel? Mm. No, Roger Schmidt is just too good of a coach. We're only talking about coaching <laughs> troubles today. <laughs> um, you're, you're probably hoping that Roger Schmidt is on a long-term, really well-paid contract because there is a lot of openings these days. Um Josh, I want to start with this one on the very top and not a huge surprise giving the, the, the start at Leipzig under Domenico Tedesco. Um, he's now gone, replaced with Marco Rose. Marco Rose, a Leipzig boy, you know, previously at Borussia Dortmund, previously at Gladbach, previously at Red Bull Salzburg and then before that in the RB Leipzig system. 
Um, how do you feel about this fit, him replacing I'm, Tedesco? I mean, I feel like it's a little cruel on Tedesco. I think he did such a wonderful job taking over from Jesse Marsh, winning them the DFB Pokal, going on to get in the Champions League. And I'm curious to see what you think on this take, but I bet if Marco Rosa wasn't available, Tedesco probably would would, would be given a little bit longer. This is very early into the season. It's been a brutal start for such a, a talented squad that looked to, to blossom. But for every reason you just said, I think they looked at a, a manager like Marco Rosa and knowing that he has Bundesliga experience with the best with with Dortmund with Gladbach or like you know higher up not quite with with Bayern but with Dortmund with with Gladbach he's done wonderful things in the Bundesliga already he's a Leipzig boy which I, I just actually found out which is wild as well and mm. then of course being in the Red Bull system what more would Leipzig look out of, of a manager I know that I saw a tweet from you that said oh well Tuchel's available it could be interesting but I don't think there would have been a better fit for Leipzig than Marco Rosa given all everything we just talked about and if he wasn't available, I feel like Tedesco would have been given a little little bit longer, just given the fact that he did such a wonderful job, and it is still very early in this season. Yeah, um, I think he he the, the coaching change was on their mind for some time, um, looking at the press conference, the press comments this morning, um, and, and talking to some people behind the scene. I think this has been something that's been on their mind for some time, um, going back to the, you know, he did win... Um, he wasn't an insane pace for the 24 games he took all over after Jesse Marsh. He had the highest point per average in the league for a while, higher than Bayern Munich. But I think there was a couple of results that bothered them. Um, the Rangers um, Rangers result in the Europa League semifinal was one. Um, I think there was the some comments made internally about the, the structure of the squad and how it was going to be put together. Um, I think that was some issues that they had there as well. And um, I think that they realized, and I think they also realized from last year when they maybe hung on to their coach a little bit too long, when they also realized that there was problems internally, that um, they had to make a decision quick. And this is this is the interesting thing with the Champions League, right? The Champions League being um, so compacted to this year with the World Cup in uh, November, December, that... You know, you have to make a decision really quickly. Um, Filippo, I'm pretty sure you have some opinions about this too, because this almost feels like a repeat from last year when Jesse Marsh was let go. Yeah, I, I said it on Twitter, obviously joking overall. I'm not cheering against Tedesco. I never had anything against him, just to be quite honest. But it looked very similar. The only difference between him and Marsh was he came in last season. Uh, we can argue that he played a big role on saving their season, right? Mm. Especially in Bundesliga, but it just it just looked like a deja vu of last year. The same thing of Jesse starting struggling in the Champions League, struggling in Bundesliga, uh, bad losses. Right? They lost four zero over the weekend, didn't they? Yeah, four um, 0 to Frankfurt. Yeah, um, so um, it, it looked a lot like last year. Uh, I don't know exactly the problem. Uh, what it was, but there's definitely something going on, and they just chose to act early, right? It, it, it correct me if I'm wrong, Manuel. He was fired before Jesse Marsh was last season, right? In terms of games, um, yeah, he was fired way earlier. Jesse Marsh had twenty had twenty games last year. Yeah, so way earlier. So there, there maybe there's something we don't know about. Um, but they definitely went on it early. I don't know if it's because of Rose. I, I honestly just think that Leipzig definitely has better players to play what they're playing right now that's that i don't have any doubt in my mind yeah it, it's a little weird um all of it i think they're kind of trying to find out too who they want to be because um 
obviously Jesse Marsh was a typical Red Bull coach, right? Then they went to Tedesco, uh, who was a bit more of a defensive-minded, structured coach, which which helped them, I think, rescue that season. But then they kind of, I think they expected Tedesco to be playing a more t- attacking, pressing kind of system. And um, we've see, seen that before when he was at Schalke, that in the second year, we really struggled with that as well, making the transition from that to the next level. Uh, what I do think is interesting, though, Josh, they're essentially bringing back another Red Bull coach now. So... What do they want to do is the real question. Yeah, I mean, that's you kind of took the words a little bit out of my mouth. What I was going to bring up is the fact that I think they want to go back and, and find themselves. They looked a little bit lost right now, like you guys mentioned, like the beginning of the last season. I think bringing back in Marco Rosa, trying to get back to the, the RB way, uh, to kind of restructure this team because it's almost like what Tedesco was doing towards the end of the season ran stale. And you mentioned those big losses that he suffered because – there was a point there where they looked unstoppable and then they just, they tripped towards the end. It kind of continued mm-hmm. on. I think they want to find someone who who's a part of this, this system, the part of this Red Bull family, literally bringing someone from Leipzig who's got the experience. I think they just want to get back to what they wanted with Jesse Marsh. The reason they, they brought Jesse Marsh to the helm because they believed he could bring that. It didn't work out. They had to balance and now they're kind of right back where they wanted to be. And they did it very early. And I think that's very important with the four nothing loss against Frankfurt followed by a four, one loss at home. I saw you tweeting about it, Manuel. I mean, it, it just shows how deadly this Champions League can be. I mean, one yeah. match in, there was two sackings already from pretty big clubs. And losing 4-1 at home against a Shakhtar team that was completely disassembled because of the war. I mean, it's it's not a good result at all. And Marco Rosa will have a lot of work to do. The first of that, in my opinion, is just trying to find the structure that they want and give his starting 11 a go. Because there's been times Marco Rosa gets a little stuck on... on uh, certain systems and i think going in here fresh with these this talent i think it's going to do wonders for them yeah one thing to add manual too sometimes all a team needs is a new manager to shake things up new ideas and then they get things going i'm not saying it's going to work or not but clearly it wasn't working and maybe that's what leipzig is going towards yeah it's it, it, it means sometimes it does but i find it an interesting trend when it's three managers in essentially a season a bit of big clubs. Yeah. So we'll see how, how this one goes. I don't know if Adrian, if you have any final thoughts on this, um, you know, maybe I mean, one, one thing that I'm, I am curious about is when is finally someone going to go for Amorim? <laughs> yeah, that's the big question. And I actually thought that this was going to be the time where someone does make a genuine effort to get him. Yeah. But in listening to what everything, you know, you guys were going over here, is this sort of a case of where the guy that they bring in sort of on an interim-ish type basis overachieved and sort of it was always the idea that they wanted to get back to that Red Bull DNA and they're just waiting for that first slip up from Tedesco in order to pull the trigger? Yeah, I mean, there were those rumors about Eric Ten Hag when he joined Man United that Leipzig came in with an even bigger bid. Remember that, guys? Um, that was in May. And that makes me think that maybe they already had significant doubts then. So, but I don't know if that answers your question, Adrian. No, it does. It does. Because that's sort of the, I, or that's sort of the feeling that I got from the situation where was, he was sort of playing with house money before with how well they did in the league and yeah. winning the Pokal. And then as soon as things started to go wrong, it just felt very cutthroat and very rushed in a sense. Mm. So it made me think, okay, was he sort of, Again, playing with house money at this point, and then as soon as the results go down, then he's out the door, and that seems to be the case, doesn't it? 
Yeah, well, it's interesting that, you know, we went from the bad result against Schachter, fired the next morning, Marco Rose already flying into Leipzig the same day and are introduced today. <laughs> you know, that's that doesn't, that I mean, that seems like it's been planned on longhand. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, boys, but we have another firing um, and Josh and Filippo, I should just hand this to you guys. You had such a great discussion on the podcast uh, before we recorded so much so that I had to cut you guys short and say, we really should be recording this because it was fantastic. Um, Thomas Tuchel gone, the most hated man in America from what I can gather on Twitter, because Twitter is totally representative of what's going on in the real world. Um, he's gone at Chelsea replaced with Graham Potter from Brighton and is, and I'm going to make a really controversial statement here, so apologies to anyone who doesn't like the statement, but is Graham Potter finally the man who will play, give Pulisic playing time every match? And is he going to listen to the new owner, Oli, um, about signings, like bringing in guys like Cristiano Ronaldo? Is he the man for this job, Filippo? So for starters, I don't care too much or I don't care enough about Chelsea's success or failure. I, I'm neutral when it comes to Chelsea. But overall, I don't think it would be good for a manager to go based off what the owner wants, right, in terms mm -hmm. of which player. I think the manager has to do what the manager thinks is best for the team and sign players that he thinks that fit the way he wants to play and, and can adjust to his ideas. So that's the first thing I'll say. I, I don't know exactly what's up with Todd Bowley, but we'll see. I did hear that he did want Cristiano and Tuchel didn't. That kind of pissed him off. Now, in regards to how is Chelsea going to play, that's what we don't know, right? We've seen Brighton look more like a 3-5-2 a at times, and then we've seen also, I think it was against Leeds that I watched that game, I might be wrong, but I think they played a 4-4-2 in that match. I have to remember it, but I did watch the Leeds game and they played very well. The question is where obviously what Americans would ask is how would Pulisic do right now? And the first thing that I want to say is Pulisic did very well under Frank Lampard for the most part until he got injured. And then he had ups and downs with Tuchel, most of them being downs, if we're being completely honest, even though the highs were very high, like a Champions League title, playing a key role during the knockout stage. So that was the high moments. He had highs and lows of Tuchel. Right now, he gets a third manager now in Chelsea, right? Graham Potter. So there's no more excuses. So Pulisic now will get his chances. I don't think it'll be because of the owner's influence. I think he'll get a shot because also Chelsea, the options Chelsea has, he's going to get minutes. Will he start? I don't know. We'll find out soon enough. There's no more excuses. He has to perform now. And if he doesn't perform with a new manager, he might need to just take a step down, go to a weaker club, not necessarily a weaker league, can still play in the Premier League, but um, a weaker club. Now, how will Brighton set up is something that me and Josh can talk about. Bright, sorry, not Brighton, Chelsea, because they could set up the same way Brighton was playing, or maybe he will adjust depending on the players he has. Um, I don't know. I can see like Conte coming back and playing a little bit of that Moises Caicedo role. Uh, maybe a Mason Mount or Kai Havertz play like McAllister. Um, it's a little bit different, right? I, there's a couple players in this Chelsea squad that I don't know if they're going to have much space with what the way Potter normally plays, right? Uh, Josh, and I want to ask you this. 
I don't know how much of Brighton you watched early in the season. I sort of watched a bit more than than normal because they played Fulham and Leeds. They, I watched it for the Americans, but I don't think a guy like Jorginho, for example, has much room. I mean, it, it depends. Now, like this is there's a lot of layers to this. I if I don't think this new signing of Grand Potter coming in necessarily, and I think I've seen a bunch of accounts talk about it too, doesn't necessarily mean Pulisic will get a bunch of opportunities. And if I'm looking at the way that they set up, it looks relatively clear. But like you see with different managers all the time, you see I I feel like you see one of two things: you see them coming in and completely changing it into the way that they want to play if they think that could it could work, or for example, they could come in and just play the same type of system and try to make the get more out of the players. I think because the systems are sort of similar, like Chelsea's been playing the 3-4-2-1 and Brighton mostly this season, like we mentioned, has been playing the 3-5-1-1. I, I feel like there's a clear pathway there for them. The the, the three at the back with Koulibaly, Silva, and Fufana, you have your wing backs, Chilwell and James, two of the best ones that right there. Then it's the middle that comes a little bit interesting. But if you're doing the striker, I'm assuming a bombing can kind of replicate what Wellback was doing. Then you kind of have Trussars playing as that that floating 10, where I think that a player like Sterling will probably be given that opportunity. And then it drops down to McAllister, who has been sensational this year, but he's a little bit more attacking, but he's playing a little bit deeper as well behind Sterling. I feel like that's where Mount has already been playing. They've been adjusting him back to an eight this season. And then you kind of have more defensive players beside them. And I mean, you're not going to fit Pulisic in there. I don't think he's going to get one of those other three positions. It's just, if they would play in like a 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, I think that's where you're going to get a player like Pulisic to play. But in the, the exact system that they're playing at Brighton, I really don't think there's a spot. You could argue, yeah, you, you could play him where, where Trustar is playing, but I, I personally believe they'd probably rather put Mount up there, Sterling, Havertz. I just feel like it's going to be difficult if they play that way, but that's also not taking into consideration that I don't know how much influence Bowley is going to have on pressuring an, a new young manager coming into a massive team. So it's going to be very interesting to take a look at, but if it's from me, and I'm curious, I don't know what you guys think as well, but it's from me looking at the way that Graham Potter has been playing and this Chelsea squad, I don't think Pulisic is is going to be a starter. The only way he is, in, in my opinion, if they play a different system or if, uh, I guess, behind the scenes, Bowley is pushing for, uh, for Captain America. Yeah, we, we're going to have to see if he's going to play the exact same way Brighton was playing, right? Sometimes managers have to change the, the club they're, they're within, but... I don't know. Like uh, at first, we even saw Trossard play out wide. Then we saw him play a little bit more central. Uh, right now, obviously, when they lost Cucurella, they signed Pedavise Stupinan, the Ecuadorian, and then he definitely took over the the wing back position. And and then March took over the right wing back position when they play a back three. Well, it's more of a wait and see situation. Uh, I I understand like myself too. I was sort of happy that Tuco left Chelsea a little bit because. It, like with Tuchel, Pulisic wasn't going to ever get as many chances for many reasons, right? Um, some of Pulisic's fault, right? Because I, one thing that I don't like about Pulisic is when he's put on bad situations like he was with Chelsea, his body language in the games were horrible. He came into the games with a horrible body language. And even if the coach doesn't rate you or plays you out of position, you have to come in and at least perform well in that situation that you're put upon. And Pulisic wasn't doing that, right? It was just kind of like coming in. I understand that pretty much the whole Chelsea team wasn't really performing. But again, Pulisic didn't do his job of the part. So right now he gets a fresh start. We'll see what happens to him. I don't think it'll be worse than Thomas Tuchel. But again, he will get, I don't, I don't know if he'll start, but he'll get minutes. And 
it's up to him to perform. He can't come in with that same body language that he had when Tuco was in charge. If he does that, then he has to just go to a smaller club. He can't deal with the pressure of Chelsea. That's the truth. I mean, he did quite well under Tuchel at Dortmund. He I did until the end, right? And then Jaden Sancho sort of yeah, but that spot. was under a different coach. That was Lucien Favre. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't Tuchel. No, that wasn't Tuchel. Wait, Tuchel was the one that that brought Pulisic up. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You're right. And I think they they therefore the like, I I find that really interesting that um, I mean Tuchel isn't the first coach that. Pulisic has struggled under. Um, it was Favre as well, and then they sold him probably. I mean, Dortmund probably got way more than they expected for Pulisic um, because he wasn't a starter at Dortmund anymore, right? And they sold him. I think this is really important for the context of, of the story is that um, he was. it wasn't like he was a starting superstar for Dortmund when he left. He was a bench player who you know had an enormous amount of potential. And I think too for Tuchel, and this is maybe the, the German mentality here, and this is this is you know the side of the story. I think that's quite important. In Germany, players are often expected to play out of position until they're good enough, developed enough to actually play in the position that probably the best position. Um, Joshua Kimmich had to play center back and right back for a long time. In fact, Joshua Kimmich was probably one of the best central midfielders in the world still has to play right back for the German national team at times. And the expectations or the mentality in Germany is that you just do it. There's no complaining. There's no, I want to play a different position, a different role. Players just do it and they perform in the position to the best of their ability and then actually turn that into something that helps their career. And I think Tuchel was probably at times surprised that there was such an enormous amount of debate about it and that he didn't take on the position or different position to actually enhance his playing. And I think that's a, that's a big that's a big part in this story. Yeah, adding to what you said, that's like I um I defend Christian Pulisic a lot and I do think that not playing your best role, best position doesn't benefit you very much, right? And I don't think being versatile is that great of a skill in soccer personally. I think it's better to excel at what you do. When you are a versatile player, you become like James Milner, and it's what I call a duck player. And essentially what I mean by a duck player is a duck does everything a bird does, but does it poorly. It walks poorly, it flies poorly, it swims poorly, and it shits poorly. And I apologize for the English right there. But essentially what what Pulisic needs to is what I criticize him about is he would come in under Thomas Tuchel, and sure, he's playing wing back, which is not the ideal situation for him. But the body language just didn't seem like he wanted to be in the field, seemed dismotivated. I, I think if you're a professional player there, you have to come in. I'm not questioning that he doesn't give 100%. He definitely gives 100%. But you have to come in fired up and ready to play and sharp, and he just doesn't look that way. Part of it is on his head. Obviously, we've seen sharper pull the six in the past. But but again, if, if Graham Potter plays him on the wing back, he has to come in and he has to perform. It just can't keep going this way, right? It just can't be, I am the superstar. I will play wherever I want. This is not the NBA or NFL that you're the franchise player, right? It's not how it works. So I'm hoping for Pulisic to succeed. If not, I am more than happy of him leaving Chelsea. And I hope Chelsea plays better games from now on because the way they were playing under Tuchel was putting me to sleep very often, especially here in the mornings in the East Coast. I would wake up, watch Chelsea, and almost fall asleep watching. Yeah, but Chelsea have been like that for a while, to be honest. 
Um, They've been since Abramovich took over and he hired Jose Mourinho. Yeah. It's their style. It's always been like that. Do you agree with that, Adrian? That they've been a little bit boring? Um, Yeah. I mean, I think that especially under Tuchel, they were getting to be quite boring, especially if I can say that word once again, in 2022, where things just started to really collapse. And if we can sort of put Pulisic to bed now, Pulisic talk is over and talk about Tuchel for a little bit here. I found that this sacking was curious. And what I mean by that is that when you look at the results themselves, yes, they haven't been playing very well. um, But do I think that the results alone were enough to give him the sack? Not really, especially when you couple that with the fact of how they backed him. So that speaks to disharmony going on behind the scenes between Tuchel and the new ownership. And this isn't necessarily new for Tuchel, but I do feel bad for him in a sense because the role that he had to take on at Chelsea, I do not envy him in 2022. He was the spokesperson for Abramovich. He was speaking on humanitarian rights. He was speaking on all these things that we know Tuchel doesn't like to have to worry about, plus have to worry about transfers, recruitment, etc. All Tuchel wants to do and where he is best is when he can just focus on coaching. And the fact that he had to do that, not only during the season to tail end of last season, but also into the summer where he has to worry about signings, who they can sign, constantly speaking with the new ownership, trying to convey these ideas on people who may not exactly be football people. That's difficult. And that will take a lot out of you. Plus, he was going through stuff in his personal life with a divorce, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I do feel for Tuchel in that sense but i can also see the rationale behind bully and the owners and why they would want to go with someone like graham potter you know how we were talking about tedesco it seemed like they're just waiting to sack him it sort of felt like that with tuchel as well because bully wants to bring in someone who you know they can have like a true genuine sporting project that they can start kind of fresh not necessarily as far as player personnel but as far as ideas go with a new manager and build towards something a good young manager that seems to have a really high ceiling so we'll see what happens there I mean a lot of people are saying is he going to be another Abramovich with the chopping and changing we're talking about bully here it doesn't really look like it if you look at how he's at least run his baseball club so it does seem to be a project-based decision and I feel for Tuchel he'll find another good job But I do wonder, Manuel, because you've followed him throughout, you've seen sort of how he sort of, you know, he clashes with players and with clubs. Do you think that this has hurt him, that this is the third club in a row where he leaves and it's on a little bit of a sour note? No. Um, Tuchel has reached the Champions League final with PSG. He's won the Champions League with with Chelsea. He's won numerous titles um, with with Paris. Um, He won the, the cup with Borussia Dortmund, uh, he reached, you know, he, he was the last manager other than Favre to really challenge Bayern Munich in the league. He's a great, he's a great manager. Um, this bothers me about all the talk that you see online on Twitter, people saying he's not, but he is. He's, he's a fantastic, fantastic tactician. Um, he's someone who wins you trophies. Um, his circumstances at times have been, you know, at Dortmund, he struggled with the terrorist attack on the team bus. PSG, he he had to deal like the Chelsea as a spokesperson for polit- politics that weren't really his, and then Chelsea had to do the same and uh, steady the ship. And now he has to deal with an American owner who thinks he can trade players. <laughs> I mean, um, 
so I think it's 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 all you know the circumstances can explain a lot of things, and I think he's going to get a great job. I, I my guess is he's going to learn Spanish and probably become the next Real Madrid manager or go to Manchester United. <laughs> no, I think Manchester United is just going to be just fine for Liverpool under Ten Hag. I think we yeah, can, we it can seems put like that Ten Hag. Sorry to bet we will no longer talk about Man United because yeah. they're just going to be boringly good now. Yeah, it seems like <laughs> Ten Hag is is turning the ship. But one thing, can we before we move on from this? Chelsea Tuchel topic. Can we talk about how the Chelsea accounts on Twitter, the big ones, how they're acting as if Thomas Tuchel like died or went to war? They're they're putting tweets out like Thomas Tuchel's use a Champions League final tracksuit in the Chelsea Museum, and they put up pictures of the guy just died in war. I, I just don't get it, guys. Listen, they Tuchel, did the same with Lampard. I remember when I put out that like Nagelsmann or Tuchel are in line to replace Lampard. It was the same thing. Tuchel will be fine. Uh, he's going to find a job. He has plenty of money. He is definitely not burned bridges. He's fine. He's going to get a great job. Chelsea, well, honestly, Tuchel will probably be more fine than Chelsea, if you ask me, but I'm not going to dive into Chelsea that Chelsea right fired now. Jose Mourinho twice. True. But I think also <laughs> just adding to what Adrian was saying, I think the only time I remember Chelsea playing somewhat enjoyable soccer throughout Abramovich's years was when they had Ancelotti, I think. Yeah, and, and Ranieri, remember that? Yeah, but I think Ancelotti was more enjoyable. And then ever since, the, most of the time, they just played this like very pragmatic way, which gets results done for sure. Mm -hmm. But Jose Mourinho, Tuco, and even in the... I, I don't know. Um, that's just from my memory. I'm also not a Chelsea fan. I follow the Premier League, so I'm always keeping track of them. But I, I, I would be lying if I said I watched every game from Chelsea every season. That's not what happens. Yeah. No, it's it's a fascinating topic. Um I think some a topic that is probably going to be with us for a while too because Potter, of course, now announced. Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for week one, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of tactical yanks, and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to, because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge, trust me. Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right, you get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 5-star reviews. Raycon earbuds have 3 sound profiles so you can have a personalized listening experience, as well as an awareness mode where you can hear the world around you. Whether you're doing the most intense exercise or just sitting around, Raycon earbuds are perfect for you. Go to buyraycon.com slash tbpn today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash tbpn to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash tbpn. 
I do want to talk before we go um, about Jurgen Klopp, and I think this is this is fascinating what is happening there. He's just renewed his contract in the summer. Uh, this is his seventh year, and Josh, all of this is looking very familiar. It is. Uh, I'm assuming most people know that he spent seven years at Mainz, followed by seven years at Dortmund. And his last year at Dortmund was... Whoa, 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 wait, it was seven years at Mainz too? That's I, I actually a fact that escaped me. Someone... I th- you, it was you, Adrian. It's true. It's true. Yeah, you're right. It is true? I was right? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I, 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 I said it out loud. For some like... reason, that narrative completely escaped me. <laughs> I, I was so focused on the seven years at Dortmund. So good on you on catching that. Yes, it's true. Yeah. So, I mean, that rang, rang a bell. For, like when he was midway through his... I remember an article that came out midway through. Like this was three, four years ago. And it says the, the sevens curse um, around him. And they talked about his seventh year at Mainz. And then I remember that seventh year at Dortmund very vividly. And, and halfway through the season, after 17 matches played, they were dead last, 18th place. Um, he built up so much goodwill that they basically allowed him to finish the season. And incredibly, he after the probably the worst half of a season that Dortmund's had in, in, in decades, he was able to pull it into a seventh place Europa League finish. And, and then Tuchel came in and, and took over. So it's just funny that this is year seven after all the success. And I've, and I've talked about Klopp because I just truly think that he's just an absolute genius. Everything he's accomplished, especially with that Liverpool side compared to city with not even a, probably a quarter of the investment that he gets. He's just turned these players into absolute juggernauts. And now it's kind of like, okay, well, is the dust finally settling? He's been here for so long. This has been a poor start to the season. And we just talked about how important results can be in the Champions League. A 4-1 loss to Shakhtar got got one manager sacked. A one nothing loss to Dynamo Zagreb got another manager sacked. And then a 4-1 loss to Napoli. And it could have been worse. I'm not sure if you guys watched that match or not, but it could have been a lot worse in this lackluster start to the Premier League season. It, it, this is... Manuel mentioned it to me right before we started recording. This feels like the beginning of that Dortmund season. Now, I can't imagine Liverpool is going to sit in the basement, but the expectations and probably the patience of him sitting around that 10th place mark can't be for too long. I'm assuming he's going to have to go on a winning streak or we could be talking about another sacking. But I, I don't know, Manuel, what do, you, or what do you guys think? I, I mean, he got like, imagine Dortmund's after 17 matches sitting in 18th place in the table, but not any word of sacking Klopp. Do you think that Liverpool could be that patient if things don't turn around? Okay, so I want to open this up for everyone. So give me a second here. But um, yeah, I think Dortmund, Liverpool, like Dortmund, will not be, not fire Klopp. Um, he, he is someone who, as a personality, is so liked. Um, and is such a good person. I mean, genuine good person. And I think he's a genuinely amazing, maybe the best coach in the world. And there's also almost like a little bit of a cult following. He's a little bit of like a cult leader almost. And I don't mean this in a negative way. So don't put it in a negative way. But I think he will only go if he, if he goes, it will be because he decides to go like he did with Dortmund. And that's actually all I have to really say about it. It doesn't matter how bad the results will be. If Klopp thinks he can keep it going, he will keep it going. If he thinks he can't, he will step down. And um, I'm curious what the rest of you guys think, Adrian. I think that 
with modern football fans, there's always a chance that they're going to demand for his head. But like you said, I don't think that the Liverpool board would give into that because of all that he has done for the club. And also, I think that it's important to have some context as well. You know, Liverpool lost a very important player in Mane. So their attack is rejigging already. You lose someone like that, it's going to take some time for it to get firing. They already had an injury crisis to start the season, basically. I mean... Mm. Matip just came back. Thiago just came back. Jota just came back. Keita Henderson, they're still out. Chamberlain, he's still out. Konate, he's still out. They're looking very light in both the midfield and the defense. And I don't think that that's lost on the board. And I don't think that that's lost on a lot of Liverpool supporters as well. It's frustrating, of course, to see results like this. But you can rationalize them a little bit, seeing as they lost important players, and they also have gone through this crazy injury cycle. Um, his reactions in the media, it does feel like he is sort of feeling that he... I mean, Klopp has always been fiery in the media, even at the best of times. You know, yeah. he's, He demands such high, high, high standards of himself and of his players that he's often explosive in the media. He's always been like that. So this is nothing new, but it certainly does feel like the most vulnerable that he has been since joining Liverpool, I guess you could say. But even in saying that... To me, like you guys said, it seems like there's basically no chance that he gets sacked unless, you know, they're talking about relegation, which I just don't see because their performances haven't been that bad. And also, guys, I talked about this with Josh, but I'm telling you, this Napoli side is very, very good. So while Liverpool's defense was atrocious, we got to also give credit to where it's due to Napoli. And this wasn't all just Liverpool bad and Napoli lucky. This is a very, very good Napoli side that's going to push them right to the end, both in Serie A and I think in this group stage. I have the, I have them finishing it first, but we'll see. Oh, Kvaratskhelia is such an amazing player. Oh my God, yeah. And, and what a signing, you know, getting him yeah. from Ruben Kazan, a guy that literally, I mean, but, I did, I'd did, i never heard of him. From Dinamo Batumi, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> so, like, I'd never heard of him. You'd be hard-pressed to find many people who had heard of this guy prior to the mm-hmm. season and the way that he's just controlling that left-hand side. He's such a threat. He's so direct. It's He's an exciting player. Yeah, I've had my eye on him for some time because I spent some time uh, in living in Georgia of all places, uh, the country, not the state. And um, yeah, he's he's going to tear the world apart and Napoli getting him for the deal they got him is just incredible. But uh, Filippo, any final thoughts on, on Klopp and how it's going to go? No, I just want to say that he's a fantastic manager, one of the best ever actually. And sometimes what happens is, like we talked about before, a club just needs new ideas. That's, that's all it is. Um, I'm not saying he needs to leave Liverpool or anything. I'm just saying... That's what happens most of the time. Then he finds a different club and he wins the Champions League with a different club. Um, that can happen. I do want to say one thing completely off topic, Manuel, that just caught mm-hmm. my attention, if that's okay. Go for it. So I know we talked about here in the podcast months ago about Endrik, um, and Adrian even made a video about Endrik at his channel. Uh, apparently, there just came out reports out of Brazil that he's going to debut this Saturday at age 16 for Palmeiras that's leading mm-hmm. the league. That I mean, just to remind everyone that we talked about him first here. Yeah, we did. Um, you mentioned him from his. Ah, remember, remind me of the cup, the Copinha, the Copinha. Thank you. Which we actually now have on transfermarkt. 
You do? Oh, that okay. Yeah, I, I told you about this. The Brazilian coverage in Transfermark is the only one I'm critical of. It's amazing in Europe, amazing in MLS, yeah. but the one in Brazil is just sometimes oh. I try to get information, I struggle with it. Yeah, and it's it's we have two full-time people now in Brazil, but um you know this better than anyone, Filippo. There's lots of leaks and competitions there. Um and getting all the databases up on to date after years of neglect is really difficult. So just, it just takes time, right? Did you know did you know, Manuel, <clears throat> that for example, Palmeiras they played the state tournament right before the league starts. Yeah. So when they start the league, their first game in the league they already have over 20 matches played in the season. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's insane. When I was a kid, I, I used to watch a ton. Uh, there used to be a show in Germany where they would show highlights from Brazilian League of all places. And um, I think at the time, they didn't even have a proper nation, like state championship. Like, no, not a, a federation championship, right? It was all state mm -hmm. championships. And um Remember yeah, Kai Tano made the final in the 90s at one point because it was like a cup competition only as knockout. Yeah, it's um it was very different. Um yeah. and very unorganized. I think yeah. that's the way to put it. We should do a big topic on that at some point. It's We should go through like leagues that people don't know too much about. English speaking yeah. audience doesn't know too much about um and we can talk about them because I think it would be interesting. I think a lot of um Besides, I think Europeans don't know much about the Brazilian league history. Liga Mekis that used to have relegation doesn't have anymore. And they're interesting leagues, to say the least. Yeah, and interesting formats. Um, before we go, we have about five minutes left. Um, Filippo, speaking of interesting competitions, you were at the US Open Cup yesterday. Mm -hmm. How was that? So the atmosphere in the stadium was awesome it was fun the orlando city fans were loud loud as ever the stadium was packed it was at night it wasn't too hot even though florida usually is the weather at this time of the year is super high it was very humid it rained but it was overall it was a great atmosphere the game not so much just just to be honest here okay the game was very boring uh up until i believe Up until Orlando scored at the 70-something minute, something around that, I don't remember the exact minute, I think there were zero shots on target. As a matter of fact, there might have been like maybe one shot like out of bounds. It was horrible. Nothing was happening. The intensity was low. And then once Orlando City scored a goal, Sacramento had to try to attack, and Orlando City was able to kill off the game, get a second goal, and then a game in added time. And Orlando City is going to go to the CONCACAF Champions League in 2023. Mm -hmm. Now, Sacramento... I think it was cool that we saw a USL team make this deep run. For anyone that doesn't know, in the United States, we don't have promotion relegation. So it's very hard for Division II or three lower league teams to actually make more money and grow. You kind of like sometimes stagnate. It takes a while. You can't just jump the league and then get all that money from the first division and, and build a strong roster. So it was fun to see them make it this far. I was hoping for a better game. It was also fun to see Orlando City win their first major trophy. And they'll play in the CONCACAF Champions League next season and try to defend the title for Major League Soccer. Yeah. Um, it's good to see, like, the the lower divisions, you know, get some representation. We have the same thing happening here in Canada with, with the Canadian Championship and teams going deep in that. And it's just good for the football overall or soccer overall in, on this continent. But, um, boys, we're out of time. Uh, I unfortunately have to run. Um It's great being back. Um, just, you know, hopefully being back on a more regular basis now um, with the transfer window closed. But yeah, guys, before we go, anyone I want to add 
something we have about two or three minutes before we sh shut it off i'm good josh adrian all good thoughts? nothing cool. to say take it away manuel awesome um then when before we go i just want to say that i just saw the athletic reported that burley made a bad impression first impression with tuchel when he drew up a 4-4-3 formation on saying that this is the unsuckable podcast we'll be back next week until then bye bye